One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware, weather ready teak, and quick dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com/acast and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com/acast. How would you like to look 5 years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking 5 years younger at 6 months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit juvederm.com. That's j u v e d e r m.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hi guys, I'm John Weeks from Plant Based Face Off, the Instagram page all about trying new plant-based food alternatives. I try compare and rate the latest food in the vegan world and let you know which is best. I'm talking everything from burgers to cheese to chocolate. Check me out on Insta at Plant Based Face Off. Now though, it's time for this week's podcast. Enjoy. You're listening to The Contest and Me, a podcast from the Euro Trip. Hello. How are you? We're back for a brand new episode of the Euro Trip. We are now halfway through this mini series called The Contest and Me, where we speak to well-known superfans of the Eurovision Song Contest. I am of course James and joining me as always every single week is Mr. Rob Lilly. How are you? I am very well, thank you. I thought I'd introduce the topic early on before we mention who is on this week's podcast with us. That you may remember. Do you remember Mr. Mouse James from back in the day on the podcast? Wow, what a throwback! Yeah, is he? He's not back, is he? I don't know if it's the same mouse, James. But as I speak to you now, there is a mouse in the house. There is a moose on the loose, as they might say, north of the border, maybe. And maybe they will. So are you still knocking about then? Uh, still knocking about. Business has been attended to, which I'm hoping means he won't be knocking about for much longer. Anyway, the less said about that the better. Let's bring it back down to earth. What instead do you want to talk about because it's a brand new episode of the podcast? I think we should talk about who is joining us on episode 4 of the contest and me. It is none other than Alex Mansarolo. He is a radio presenter here in the UK on Kiss FM and he is a massive super fan. He is one of the most passionate people I have ever heard speak about the contest. You'll hear him in about 5 minutes or so and you'll soon realize just how much he loves it. Very optimistic of you to think that we will only talk for another 5 minutes before we get to <laughs> Alex's interview. 
it might be a little bit longer than that. But yeah, it's brilliant to have Alex on the podcast because as James said, he is so passionate about Eurovision as all of our super fans are, especially what the BBC should do with the UK. So stay tuned for that. You're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip, the contest and me. I said every week, another week, another episode. It is Wednesday. It is the contest and me. Episode four. We are more than halfway through this little bonus mini series. I should say, though, that James, you are interviewing somebody tomorrow that we're not going to tell anyone who it is yet. But you're excited, and I'm excited, and it's somebody that I don't think we ever thought we'd get on the podcast. Totally agree. And also, I know for a fact that the person who I'm going to be speaking to is also excited because they've used the words, looking forward to it. Some would say they were just being polite, but you've interpreted that <laughs> as them being absolutely buzzing to have a chat to you. I've taken their word for it. So I'm very excited to speak to this mystery person tomorrow. Although you're listening to this on a Wednesday, I presume. So I spoke to them yesterday. Very exciting. You'll find out more about it in the coming weeks. But before we go any further, I must pick you up on something, Rob. You mentioned Mr. Mouse very early on on this episode. Are you traumatised? I thought we could have talked about Eurovision a little bit more, but clearly this has gone to your head. Yeah, if you're a new listener, I do feel like we should explain. Basically, I think it was in September. Like It was early days when we when we brought the podcast um, to life um, back in the summer last year. That There was a mouse in the flat. So basically, I moved into the flat that I'm in now in September last year. It was all coming together. Definitely was September when Mr. Mouse was back in my life. Um, and yeah, there was a mouse uh, here. Uh, the mouse disappeared. Um, he made a couple of appearances on the podcast. And, well, he didn't, obviously, he didn't present the podcast, you know, he, he he was talked about. Anyway, I'm getting myself lost. I thought Mr. Mouse was out of my life. Anyway, I was making a cup of tea, um, uh, caffeine-free, obviously, because it was post 9pm. I wanted to get a good night's sleep. And I was in the kitchen, and I saw something just dart across the floor. And I went, oh, no. Mr. Mouse was back. And then the following night, my girlfriend was on the phone in the bedroom and he just pops his head under the door. The door was shut, James, and he stuck his little head under the door. You're kidding. It's getting ballsy. So I thought something had to be done. Anyway, um, some provisions, we'll call them, have been purchased. And I haven't seen Mr. Mouse again since. I don't know if I will see Mr. Mouse again. I'm hoping not. Wow. Well, I'm glad you're using this as a safe space to discuss your life's dramas. I hope that was the most dramatic thing to happen to you in the last seven days since we last spoke. James has brought this up, everybody, knowing full well that I may or may not have had a car crash at the weekend as well. It's been a very eventful few days. Um, given that this is a public forum, I uh, can can neither um, take the blame for the crash or not. Um I couldn't possibly say who was responsible. Um, all I will say is that um, it might might cost me a little bit of money, a little bit of wonga. That Airbnb booking for Eurovision 2022, it's in jeopardy. That money might have to go somewhere else. I'm glad my week has been <laughs> less dramatic than that, at least anyway. Tell you what I've been doing anyway over the last seven days. Go on. I've just been catching up on Twitter and Instagram and seeing all these comments flood in about last week's podcast episode with Bella Fist, because it looks like everybody listening. <laughs> what are you laughing at? I'm laughing because that was that was quite the segue. I enjoyed it. 
I've ruined it now, but go on. You have. Really good. Very professional. No, what I'm trying to say is loads of you have been getting in touch about last week's podcast episode with Bella Kvist. Uh, she's, of course, a Swedish Eurovision expert and Melfest commentator, and loads of you had loads of great stuff to say about her conversation with Rob last week. Uh, Lisa Blake over on Instagram, she got in touch to say that uh, she always looks forward to hearing from Bella Kvist, so hopefully, Lisa, that you enjoyed it. Over on Twitter, uh, at the Reorder Board, got in touch to say, Bella's a great friend to me and my channel. She's helped me out with my Swedish translations for the 1992 contest. This will be a great listen. Again, hopefully it was. Uh, Simon Proctor as well, saying great interview and uh, an interesting Twitter username, at Hi Girls Hi Louise, got in touch to say, this was such a lovely listen. And Rob answered your question from two weeks ago, said, and FYI, in the kitchen whilst ironing. Nice. See, that question that I asked a couple of weeks ago was, where do you listen to the podcast? I'm still after your answers. If you want to get in touch, if you listen to this, wherever you are, let us know what you're doing. Ironing in the kitchen is an intriguing one. I also iron in the kitchen. Um, not got a lot of space elsewhere for an ironing board, I would say, and, and easy access plugs would be my reason for ironing in the kitchen. But do you, do you iron in anywhere, anywhere particular? Wow, it's, uh, it's very brave of you to assume that I actually iron anything that I wear. Yeah, that does look quite creased now you've said it. <laughs> we'll move on because in the introduction, you said that we'd get to Alex's interview in about five minutes or so time. That five minutes very much has passed by now. But I do have something that I do want to squeeze in first. Have you seen a little something on Twitter? Now, I saw it this morning and it comes courtesy of Sam Parker uh, or at Parker SNM on Twitter if you will. And it is a video of his wedding. Uh, James, I've also sent you a link to this so you can have a watch. Because he did at his wedding something that I would love to do, and I'm sure many Eurofans across the land would love to do, or maybe they have already done. Have a listen to this. Oh, wow. That's very good, isn't it? I like the look of that. So you heard what happened there, and I would recommend anybody to to go and check that out. It's quite a half-hearted effort at the Think About Things choreography, I would say. But they look like they're having a lovely old time. And it's been a while since I heard Think About Things. Yeah, that's honestly, it's a good few months at least since I've heard it. Tell you what I loved about that clip the, the most, though, is the person holding the camera is... Giving it a, a good attempt at the lyrics there, but quite clearly isn't 100% confident. <laughs> they start, don't they, really confidently, and then all of a sudden they're like, no, I'll, I'll just stop at this point. <laughs> uh, but no, I wanted to flag it because uh, Sam, who put this video on Twitter, they tagged uh, Daddy Freya in it. Anyway, Daddy Freya replies. Uh, Daddy Freya quote tweeted it and said, if you didn't dance the Think About Things dance at your wedding, did you really get married? Good question philosophical maybe oh wow so is that the reason you want to do at your wedding because if you don't do it you won't officially be married yeah i think that's how it works yeah definitely i think unless you do the dance it's not legal <laughs> so i say i'm also saying that as if wedding is on the cards it's not is it 
Not particularly, no. Although I've started early discussions, and I say early, these are very early, uh, about attempting to get some sort of uh, nice instrumental version of Euphoria involved at some point in the day. Wouldn't say it's going badly. Wouldn't say it's going badly, but we'll see how that goes. First dance? It's a bit ravey for a first dance at a wedding, I think, isn't it? Or the instrumental would be quite nice, but mm. just be a lot of swaying. I want, so- <laughs> I want something you can probably move to. Okay, okay. Al- alcohol is free, maybe. Grease, <laughs> Grease 2013. We'll maybe come back to this in the next few weeks. Start start a short list of first dance songs for, for Rob's wedding. If you've got any, get in touch. Uh, at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Hello at EurotripPodcast.com on the email. This is the Eurotrip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. You are indeed listening to the Eurotrip. This is the contest and me. And before we go any further, just want to clarify, currently not getting married, not engaged at this stage. So I feel like you're being a little bit, a little bit presumptuous. It was great timing from your girlfriend, wasn't it? As I just read out the Twitter handle and the email address, she walked through the door behind you, didn't she? It was impeccable timing. Yeah, now I feel like she is going to be expecting quite a major life event to be occurring <laughs> in the not-too-distant future. I can't say to her that that's going to happen, to be honest. So, uh, yeah, that might be a difficult conversation over dinner a little bit later on. Yeah, it's quite a commitment to make. But shall we get on with today's episode of The Contest and Me, where we talk to another well-known superfan of the Eurovision Song Contest. This is episode number four. We've already spoken to Paddy O'Connell, Steve Rosenberg, of course, the BBC's Moscow correspondent, and last week, Bella Christ. We've still got a few more episodes coming your way over the next few weeks or so. But today, it's Alex Mansarolo. Alex Mansarolo, who joins us as a presenter on the UK radio station KISS FM. I'll be honest, I don't know if you listening know much about KISS. KISS is quite trendy. So I feel a little bit, a little bit, I don't know, a little bit inferior with having Alex on. Alex, you know when you just know that somebody is much cooler than you are? I mean, this pretty much happens with every single person I meet in my life. <laughs> But Alex just kind of screams cool, like he talks to cool people, he plays quite cool music, which is equally very fun, therefore, that he loves Eurovision. Absolutely, and also very crucial in the fact that he works for KISS and the kind of music to play on KISS. It becomes very relevant to one of the questions we ask him a little bit later on about how the BBC could indeed switch things up a little bit to try and improve their results. So there's a little bit of an interesting conversation to be had about that coming up. We'll also find out about how his very first Eurovision memory was actually a little bit inadvertent and he didn't even know it was Eurovision at all. So we've got all that to come in our wonderful conversation with Alex and as ever, please do let us know what you think of Alex's interview with James. Let us know what you think of James' interview technique as well, if you want. We can critique him. It could be a live, <laughs> live feedback session if you want to get in touch and give us some comments for uh, for him that he can improve over the next few weeks. At Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, or probably for all of that long feedback that James will require, hello at Eurotrip Podcast on the email, if you add a .com on the end. So hello at EurotripPodcast.com. <laughs> Well, after that rather unnecessary comment, let's get into it. Here is Alex Mansarolo here on the Eurotrip, the contest and me. Alex, thank you so much for joining us here on the contest and me. What a pleasure to have you along. Thanks for joining us. 
No problem, man. I'm, honestly, this is the most fun I've had all year so far. So this is the best thing. You've topped it. I've peaked. Always amazing to chat to somebody else who loves Eurovision just as much as me. We've got a set few questions to get get through, rather. So shall we start with the first one and find out what your very first Eurovision memory is? So for me, I've got a memory of me watching it on TV. And that's Alexander Rybeck, 20, uh, 2009, I'm in love with fairy tale. Banging tune, great intro. That was the first time I watched the contest, but subliminally, Sir Taberna had a tune called Every Way That I Can. Big Turkish tune, and I remember going on holiday in Turkey, and that was the tune of the summer. And I feel like that was my first introduction to Eurovision because I fell in love with that tune. And I feel like it was just a matter of time before I really started getting into it. So on TV, Alexander Rybeck with his, was it a fiddle? It was a little yeah, fiddle. Wasn't yeah, it, it was. Um, that for me was my first moment watching Eurovision. But back in my head, it's always been there with Sir Taverna everywhere that I can. Great tune. Great so tune. actually, your first Eurovision memory was a bit inadvertent. You didn't actually quite know what? it was a Eurovision song. Is that right? I, yeah, because I was in Turkey the year that she won it. So there was like a, just like all this celebration. And like, there's two huge things. If you win the World Cup or win Eurovision, you're winning at life. That's what it is. Um, and I just remember this tune bit. Well, I got it on CD. They were like just throwing CDs out at, at the bazaars and stuff. Like she was huge. And I feel like if I was a little bit older, I would have known what it was. But yeah, it was just her celebration party uh, for winning Eurovision, which she absolutely killed it. So yeah. So was the atmosphere when you were in Turkey, was it just like something you'd never experienced before? Oh, it was just, it was mad. I was only a kid. So like, you know, me going on holiday, just normally be going into like swimming pools and water slides, but there was parties in the street. There was like, I, I'm pretty sure it was the week she came back. They did like a like a tour of Turkey or whatever. Just so happens to be having a big old party that she'd won Eurovision. But I didn't know because I was only a kid. So, yeah. And then when Alexander Reback won, you mentioned before, what are your memories about that? Do you remember watching it thinking, oh, this is exciting? Or do you remember thinking, oh, what on earth is this? No, it, what it was, it's the start of the song. And I think I was just like watching it with my nan. It was just it was just on and I wasn't really paying much attention. And then that came on and I was like, oh, this is good. This is good. And then little fella come out with curtains and a, and a fiddle. I'm like, OK. And then the more you watch, you're like, this dude is really good. And this is like, it's a song that just stuck with me for years. And I'm glad it's coming back out now, like on TikTok and stuff. But um yeah, it just really stuck with me. And then that's when I started to think, okay, I'm gonna, you know, rewind this, watch the whole contest again, and just yeah, it was wicked. So good. And what was the moment then that you started to fall in love with the contest? That's the second question, because maybe it wasn't that contest with Alexander Rebuck. Was it a few years later that you really yeah. felt yourself falling in yeah. love with it? Lorene, man. Lorene. Um, honestly, the way when Lorene done Euphoria, I was just like, this was uh, for me. Eurovision was at a certain level before Lorene done Euphoria. And then when she dropped that tune and won it, I think she added more to her audience. She just, okay, because Eurovision is a bit 50-50 with people. It's either a, an amazing contest, which I love, and I feel like it's the World Cup of music. And some people just think of it as like a really cheesy camp, um, little song singing contest. I feel like she smashed open the doors for fans worldwide with that tune. I went to Falaraki, right? When she when she drops that tune, big at the time, big club in Ireland, it's a bit like this, the Greek Magaluf, they were banging that tune out in clubs. Well, you never think. Okay, nowadays you do it, sure, but you'd never think like a Eurovision artist would be getting 
reloads in the club in, in the Greek islands and down at Tiger Tiger in Croydon. It was a huge tune. And, and that's and to be fair, she's she's well fit. So it's like she's, <laughs> she's we love uh, Lorene. And she's just not eight, not aged at all. Like when you saw her she in the Netflix film, incredible, incredible. So that was the moment I was like, yeah, we're onto something here. I love it. So give me an idea about where you were in life at that point because for me when Lorene won in 2012 I was just finishing high school so for me yeah. as well it was really hitting me just how big Eurovision could be so what was it like for you where whereabouts were you in life at that time? Oh I think it was at university I was starting university um, but I was coming home every weekend or every other weekend because my girlfriend lived because I went to Liverpool she lived in a in Kent and I feel like I think she might have been at work and I was just, you know, starting uni, did I, not struggling for uni, but just like getting to grips of moving away so, so much. And I just remember this, this moment where all the family was watching it. It wasn't just, normally it's me and my nan, because I lived with my nan. I lived with my nan. But all the family were there. My granddad, my mum was just watching this wicked show. And yeah, I think that's, that's what started it. And then, then you find out there's people at your uni who like Eurovision and then, there's like little club nights. There was a club night in Liverpool, like a one-off. It was wicked. And it just, then, then, but then meeting those people just introduced me to the back catalogue that I've been missing out on all them years. Um, so yeah, I was, I was at uni and I just, yeah, fell in love with Laureen and Eurovision. She, she set me on that path. So we've talked a little bit about 2009, a bit about 2012 yeah. when Laureen won. Perfect opportunity mm-hmm. to ask you about your favourite Eurovision year. It may be one of those, or is it a different one? Do you know what? I like a good opening ceremony. I love whether that is like football or, you know, whatever. So 2016, I think it was, was it Sweden? Yeah. The catwalk. Mm. Phenomenal. Oh, mate. RuPaul would just be chef's kissing. <laughs> was so good and I and that's but the things with Eurovision year on year on year it was just getting better and better and yeah that for me was just the perfect introduction to everyone as well it wasn't just like a little VT and hi I'm Sweden hi I'm Norway it, it was perfect it was like it was cinematic it was wicked um the music for every artist that come out as well was just perfect for them and it was just I loved it so yeah I'm I'm a sucker for I'm a sucker for a good opening because you've got to get me in at the same time, you know, if you if, even if you're not watching Eurovision or if you're just flicking through the channels, you need something to hook you in. And if you're going to try Eurovision out for the first time and the opening ceremony is not great, you're going to be like, oh, well, that's the that's the bar. 2016. Perfect. It was so, so good. I, I, I actually watch it every now and then. I, I'll literally watch it every now and then. You can tell you're a, um, a radio presenter talking about the music of, a, of the opening <laughs> sequence as well. But you're so right. In fact, a few weeks ago, I was watching it myself and, you know, they were all coming out to the, you know, the Avicii and all that sort of thing. I've just made a playlist of those songs because it just, it just hammers home, doesn't it? That opening, that opening sequence. If I, if I went to the gym, that would be my playlist. <laughs> that would be my gym playlist. But yeah, it's just, they nailed it. They got, they got, the, they got, they kept their audience. And, and I feel like if I showed that to, you know, my younger brothers, whatever, they'd take that audience as well. They, they really did smash it. So credit to Sweden for that one and the, and the EBU. But yeah, very, very good. Very good. And of 
And of course, we had Mons and Petra's host in 2016. It doesn't get better, does yeah, it? Yeah, he, he's like our Anton Dick, isn't he? He's, <laughs> he's like, a, like a Stephen Mullen of Eurovision. He's everywhere. No, he's the Bradley Walsh. He's the Bradley Walsh that can do it all. Um, do you think Mons would know what you meant if you said to him, you're the Bradley Walsh no of Eurovision? No clue. <laughs> I could have to go, hey, Mons, you're Bradley Walsh. Thank you, Alex. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> no clue. No clue. If we then start to talk about your favourite song then, are we going to bring it to 2016 again are we going to go back to alexander reback have we got something something a bit new i'd like to i'd like to split this question up a little bit i know this is your question but you can't have a favorite eurovision song Mm -hmm. and i don't care whoever says old minds you haven't because you eurovision songs hit you in a different way every time you listen to them okay sure lorene euphoria is a fantastic song and for me when i was you know 16 or 15 16 on the party islands it's wicked but then Alexander Ryback will hit you in the fields if you're having one of them down days. This year, it, it, 2021, it was just the variety we've had just from this year alone. I feel like I've got two, three new favourites just this year. I like Shum. It's just mad. Obviously, Mainskin. Uh, Finland were wicked this year as well. Really liked I, I, called, them, I called them Thinking Park because we're very Lincoln Park. <laughs> but if, I, if you really had to tell me what Eurovision song... Do you know what? Something I always love. Circa Vaduchka. And the story behind that tune as well is that they were they were looked at as um, like a, a laughing stock and they were all jokes and stuff. But yeah, they they smash it. So yeah, Circa Vaduchka. Why did you Ukraine? Was that, was yeah, it, Ukraine? it was Ukraine, two thousand seven. Why do you think you come back to that one in the end then? Because it always goes off. It always, I've always. If, if if the thing is, if I'm having a bad day and listen to it, I'm feel better. If I'm having a great day, it's even better. And I just love it. I just love a big camp song um, because it's like an underdog song as well. It's, it really is an underdog song um, because uh, Lorraine Euphoria, beautiful song, professionally made. You could tell everything about that song is perfect. But then you've got Dancing, Dancing, which is this is wicked camp little tune. And everybody loved it when everyone should have hated it. So for me, yeah, I'm a pretty commercial Eurovision listener <laughs> and fan. But yeah, I, I, that's the one that makes me just, yeah, cheers me up. I, I do like it. It's really funny. Really and it came oh so close to winning as well, didn't it? Second place in the uh, end. Against, you it. against all odds, against all odds, and like I'm, I'm, I'm sure Ukraine were like trying to get them to not do it at one point because it looked like um you know a laughing stock for for Ukraine. But how wrong they were when it was just that's what that's what Europeans Eurovision's so good at. Yes, you've got incredible uh, singers and songwriters and production value, but then you've got the underdog that is potentially are going to take home the crown and like you can't beat that you've always got a root for the underdog so yeah that's that for me is a tune that will just and i think even if you don't like eurovision i stick it on and people like it so great song
Great you've song. mentioned you've mentioned a few different songs while talking about that. Yeah, yeah. And do you agree that it's so important that we do have that sort of variety in the contest rather than just having really polished professional songs every single year? Oh, of course. We we need we need it all um, because however million people listen uh, watch Eurovision, they don't all like the same thing. Some people want cheese. Some people want professional. Like like the French song this year, voila! Oh, amazing, amazing. Not my cup of tea on paper, but when I listen to it and watch it, fantastic. You need to cater to everyone, whether that is you know in your in your country, you know, trying to become the next Eurovision star. If they do variety in their shows there, but it has to appeal to everyone. It's so 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 important. It's like it's like dance music at the moment, isn't it? Everybody wants to be Joel Corey, <laughs> so everyone's copying Joel. We don't do that at Eurovision. You, you stick in your own lane. And look, who thought? Who would have thought 2021 a rock song would be the winner? So yeah, any variety. You just don't know, do you? One interesting thing as well there when you've mentioned the songs, and it brings me on to the next question as well. You didn't mention a song from the UK. And the next thing I want to ask you is, if you were in charge of the UK's delegation, if you were head of delegation at the BBC, what would you change? What would you try and do? to get the UK back to its previous successes? We need to open it up, man. We need to look at normal people, people that... Because James is a platinum singing songwriter. Why is a platinum singing songwriter getting zero points? It's like, you, you're just getting it wrong, okay? We need, we need real people. We need to look at making them go viral. We need to not give a damn about what the perfect Eurovision song is. We just need someone that's going to have fun. You know, someone that if you went to a party with, would get along with everyone, like that guy in the room, or if you gave him the, the AUX leads and look, put something on that knows their stuff. Nothing that has to be pitch perfect. Nothing that has to be over the top. For me, I feel like the perfect tune that I'd like to hear from the UK would be a mix between old David Guetta, old Nicki Minaj, and yeah, yeah, old David Guetta and Nicki Minaj, that type of vibe, that party vibe, don't give a damn about who says what this we need that party vibe we don't have to it doesn't we're not trying to get to number one in the in the uk charts we're trying to win eurovision we're trying to win hearts not it doesn't matter about points we want these countries to fall in love with our tunes so but if it was me and i'm trying to i'm trying to find a way in to produce (laughs) a song for Eurovision. it's got to be old david getta old Nicki minaj blend that together that's what we need party what a combo that would be. If San Marino can get Flow Rider, maybe we can just get the real deal, get David Getter himself. Well, I was a little bit glad that Sirhat didn't come back. Could you imagine Sirhat and Flow Rider? That would be well good. That's what I missed out on that, the wrong uh, San Marino. I've got to ask about James Newman, though, because, you know, you were talking about his song. What did you make of his song this year? Why do you think Great song. it didn't go to plan? Great song. Uh, performance wasn't there. It's, it's like, and that's not him. It's like... I've worked with singers, I've worked with, you know, I've met some like aliases and stuff, but I feel like he just lost his breath and couldn't keep up with his own song. And that's no disrespect to James. I feel like with a ch- the tune wasn't hyped up enough for the background he had and the dances. And I feel like he just lost his breath and couldn't keep up with his own tune. Out of the embers, you and I. Yeah, this 
But if you listen to it on Spotify or whatever, it sounds great. But for the Eurovision audience, especially after a year of not having it, you need something you need something to be remembered by. And without something horrible, the only thing we remembered was that leather jacket. So <laughs> yeah, that's, um, and that's no sort of strange because like look, he is a platinum singer-songwriter. But back to the drawing board next time. I, I think it was all in the performance. I, I really do think it was. It was either too much for what it was or too little for the occasion. It was he didn't get that sweet spot. Um so yeah. Oh, would I like to see him again do it? No. I feel like we need we need something fresh for next time round. In you know, if we think back to the previous entries for the UK, a lot of them would sound good on your radio ones, your radio two. Whereas where yeah. you work at, at KISS, do you reckon there's some sort of artists who would, you know, find themselves on on that station who it would be oh. a, a good risk, not necessarily picking out a certain artist, but do you think that style of music might be worth a shot just to see how it would fare? Oh, definitely, definitely, 100%. Like, for instance, like, okay, let's talk drill. Let's talk drill music, yeah? Hmm. Drill music is frowned upon in the UK. We had a number one with Tion Wayne and, and Russ. If Eurovision was now and they chucked out a, a drill tune, I think it would do pretty well because drill is international at the moment. You've got Italian drill, French drill. You've got Lithuanian drill. So I feel like if if they jumped on trends, sure. But then I don't think Piano House would do well for Eurovision. Mm. I feel like it's not got enough behind it. What I would do, I, I still think rap would be good, like a, a good rap tune. If you can get someone in that sweet spot of that Drake sexiness in his voice if you know what i mean and our uk like vibe i i think notes from the uk could do a good a good eurovision song but if he kept it notes didn't keep it eurovision just kept it to himself um yeah i, I don't see why i don't see why that wouldn't do well plus it it would make people listen because all we've had is squeaky like squeaky clean artists uh, over the years why not have someone real there you go baby see listen up we've got an idea right here <laughs> Let one extra do it. Let one extra do it this year. Don't let BBC One do it. <laughs> we'll soon see what happens. We've got the better <laughs> It'll be here before we know it, and I'm sure we'll find out very soon. Um, one last question from me, or one last main question. The last main question from the bunch is, what one change to the contest would you most like to see in the future? I'd like to see more of it, honestly. Like, you know, you've got this F1 documentary on Netflix, yeah? The mm. behind the scenes of Formula One. It's so good. We need that for Eurovision. Because it's not all going to be smiles and waves and, you know, reading out numbers at the end of the day. There's going to be tantrums. There's going to be bad notes. Someone's going to fall off the stage in rehearsals. We need the fly in the wall stuff behind Eurovision. We need to see it all because it'll just, it'll just make it a movie. That's, I think that's what we need. Um, and we need, we need more, you know, we need to see more of the, the prelims, how to get into Eurovision. We need to see everything, you know, the favourite, the, whoever the favourite was. I feel like the favourite this year was Malta didn't mm. come close we need to see that journey of you know realizing you're the favorite doing rehearsals coming up with the tune going to the competition and then not winning for example so we've had the eurovision film but you want to see the documentary series we want yeah we want the documentary series we want like the panorama of, of eurovision <laughs> we, want, we want that that's what we want we want real life obviously because you know will ferrell done an incredible job and, and husevic is mm. would win eurovision it would win eurovision uh, but obviously it's all made up and it's, it's, you know, it's not real, but they're, they're probably not far off. So why not stick a GoPro on someone's head and just follow them around? It'd be good. Be so, give, give a GoPro to Ryland and let him follow everyone around. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I want. 
Have you got a name for the documentary series? You mentioned the F1 series on Netflix, Ooh. Drive to Survive. Have you got a, a snappy name for a Eurovision documentary? I no, I haven't. It's something we can talk about afterwards and pitch to the BBC. There you go. <laughs> You've got the idea, you just need a name. We'll, we'll put some more effort into this and then we'll take it to Netflix That's right. later on. <laughs> Well, Alex, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting Eurovision to someone who loves it just as much as I do, just as much as the listeners do. Thanks so much for joining us. No problem, no problem. See you in Italy next year. Well, Rob, have you RSVP'd Alex's invitation to Italy 2022 yet? I will do as soon as we find out where it's going to be. Because otherwise, I can't just meet him on the proviso of Italy 2022. He might be in Milan. I might be in Turin. <laughs> might be some... Might be a whole world of confusion. Might get very lost. Wow, it's not very long either. It's meant to be by the end of the month. And maybe our luck will suggest it's already been announced between us recording this <laughs> and being released into your podcast feed. But it shouldn't be very long. It's the end of the month. By the time we find out, we should find out at least, where Eurovision 22... 20... How do you say that again? 2022. 2022. The Eurovision Song Contest will be held. It's very satisfying, isn't it? 2022. When you can say it correctly, obviously. Indeed, yeah. Better get my lessons sorted so I can actually say it properly. But um, Alex Mansarolo, what a great guy! As I said at the top of the uh, top of the show, he's so so passionate. Arguably one of the most passionate people I've ever heard speak about the Eurovision Song Contest. Everything he said had so much weight behind it. He was so, so passionate. And some of those ideas he had going around, just the moment he said, let's talk drill music. Honestly, I couldn't, I could, couldn't talk 10 seconds about drill music. But it, it's worth a shot, isn't it? It's definitely worth a shot, Rob. On every episode of The Contest of Me, as you know by now, we ask, you know, what should the BBC do to change the UK's fortunes at Eurovision? Basically, I've got the answer. Just put together a panel of all of our interviewees on the contest and me. Between them, we're going to have some great ideas. I want to hear Steve Rosenberg and Alex Monsarolo in a conversation about who the UK should send to Italy 2022. That's what I want to see. Imagine the different ideas we'd have. And if you did put those t- two together, based on their answer so far, we know we're going to send dri- some sort of drill music in the Welsh language. Probably a first time for everything, isn't it? And is the room for Steve on piano as well on stage while it's all going on? Chris can do backing vocals, maybe? I don't know. Then Paddy O'Connell can just commentate on the whole lot of it. What? From the side of the stage as part of the act? (laughs) (laughs) And who knows who else will be involved? Because, of course, six people on stage. And we've got two more interviewees left on the contest and me. Indeed. So make sure you join us again in seven days' time for a brand new episode. But, of course, a big thanks to Alex for joining us on today's episode. That is four done and two left, Rob, and two very exciting guests to come over the next couple of weeks. Two very exciting guests to come. And then that that little bonus, you know, we love a bonus for the person that James will have at the time of recording this. He hasn't spoken to, but the time of you hearing this, he has spoken to. Honestly, very, very exciting. I think you're going to lose your little minds when you find out who James has been talking to. But because the chat with Alex was a little bit more bite-sized than some of the other interviews that we've brought to you on the series so far, We thought we'd spoil you this week because it's the return of an old friend. It's the return of an old feature. And no, it is not the European quiz. I'm sorry. It's not the (laughs) European quiz. It is, though. The One Second Song is back. We'll bring it back properly when the podcast returns in September. But for now, it's a a little taster of the One Second Song. 
Maybe you're a brand new listener, or maybe you've just forgotten. The one second song. Rob is about to play me the very first second of a Eurovision song. And all I've got to do, and of course you can play along too at home, is guess the name of the song, guess the artist, guess the year, and guess which country it came from. It's as simple as that. Rob, do you want to play it? Absolutely. For the first time this week, it's this week's special little bonus, one second song. Now then, I know a lot of the time... Actually, I say a lot of the time. It didn't really happen a lot. But sometimes we came across quite confident. And a lot of those times it was unfounded and we were way off the mark. In fact, I was scrolling on Instagram yesterday and I found a clip of you when you were so, so confident and then you got it wrong. It was dramatic. But I think this week I'm definitely going to get it right. Wow. That is big talk from a little man such as yourself. (laughs) How tall are you, by the way? I always mean to ask. Uh, I think 5'9", but I can't little, be sure. Little fella. Little what are you? 8 foot 12. 8 foot 12. No, 6'4". 6'4". <laughs> wow. uh, do you want it again, though? I know you're really confident, but maybe for everybody at home, anyway, if they, if they want to hear it again. Uh, for the second time, here's this week's One Second Song. Come on, then, if you're so confident, what is it? Four points on offer. Okay, four points. Is it going to be a push? I'm not sure, but I think the year might be a tricky one. Maybe the artist's name is going to be tricky. Maybe this isn't as easy as I first thought. I'm going to say it's 2018. I was there at the contest. I think I remember seeing it live. It was Russia. It was called It was called I Won't Break, I think. And it was Julia. I might trip over the surname here. I'm going to go for it. Julia Samilova. Mr. Rowe, little man, the four points are yours. Oh, wow. That's been a long time. Very, very well done. Back with a bang on the one second song. Very, very good. Uh, You are correct. It is Julia Samoylova. Uh, I won't break for Russia. Uh, Song number six in the second semi-final of Eurovision 2018. Uh, She didn't qualify. She came 15th in the semi-final with 65 points. Were you there in the arena? Did you see that live? I was. Semi-final two, did you say? Semi-final two. Yeah, I saw the jury show, and I saw the live show itself, so I saw that twice. Twice more than I should have done, really. Twice more (laughs) than anybody should have done, to be perfectly honest with you. How very mean. Well, with that, what what a lovely way to introduce. Hear a little (laughs) bit more of, of that song, shall we? Oh, here it is. My heart is in command no longer in the dark My castle in the sand Snow made the stone and rock I am very intrigued as to why you chose that one because it got to the point uh, during the first run of the Eurotrip, that we would always try and tie the song to something that happened in the episode. And I, I can't fathom what you've done there. So not necessarily something that's happened in the episode, but something that's just happening in the world right now that is tied to... No? No. Okay, so since we recorded this and everybody at home is listening to this, the Paralympic Games have begun in Tokyo. So ah. I went on a little journey. And I found an article from our friends at Aussie Vision. 
and they have done an article about, and it's very interesting, I would recommend you go and check it out, uh, the Eurovision Connections of the Olympic and Paralympic Games. Uh, so these are people that have performed at both Eurovision and either the Olympics or the Paralympics. Honestly, it is fascinating. Anyway, uh, Julia Samulova, who we are talking about here, she performed at the opening ceremony of the 2014 Paralympic Games in Sochi, so four years before she eventually went to Eurovision. But there's something else fascinating. I don't understand how this happened, but I did want to bring to your attention. While I was looking at this article, if you scroll slightly further down, we find that while they didn't perform, they were inexplicably part of the Olympic torch relay in 2016. Now, where was the Olympic Games in 2016? Rio de Janeiro. Doesn't scream Eurovision, does it? No, it doesn't. So which two Eurovision stars do you think were part of the Olympic torch relay in 2016, both running a leg in Brazil itself? Honestly, I really hope it's Jedward. Jedward were part of the Olympic torch relay in 2012, oh, yeah. as I found from this article. However, two of Russia's biggest Eurovision stars took part in the Olympic torch relay in 2016. Uh, they ran one after the other, so on the same day. Uh, Eurovision 2015 runner-up, uh, Polina Gagarina. And Russia's Eurovision winner from 2008, Dima Balan. No. Uh, they both took part in the Olympic torch relay in 2016, and they ran in... Now, apologies, Brazilian it- listeners. Uh, <laughs> Pimirim in Brazil. And that feels like as good a place as any to end this week's episode. <laughs> Honestly, I can't even remember how we got here. So yeah, as you say, perfect opportunity to wrap it up. But what a great episode it's been, chatting to Alex Mansarolo about his love for the Eurovision Song Contest. Don't forget, you can get in touch with us about the episode you've just heard. We are on Twitter or on Instagram at Eurotrip Podcast. You can send any of your longer messages about the podcast or whatever you want to our email address, hello at eurotrippodcast.com. Congratulations on managing to read out the email address in a significantly clearer way than I did earlier on in the episode. But yeah, no, thank you everyone for listening. Really, really appreciate it. Make sure you stay across those socials. We post in all sorts of other nonsense on there, including some video clips of Alex's chat with James that you've just heard on this podcast. And also, as I've already said, I thoroughly recommend that article on Aussie Vision about uh, the Olympic connections to the Eurovision Song Contest. So all sorts of fascinating little tidbits on there. Uh, do you want to know who else has been involved, James? I'm spoiling the article for you very, very quickly. Uh, who else Who else has been involved in an Olympic event and also been at Eurovision? Go on then, thrill me. You can have, there's loads. Uh, I can t- Sakis Ruvas performed, mm. obviously, at the, uh, at the opening ceremony of Athens 2004. Closing ceremony, rather. Closing ceremony of Athens 2004. Wow. And if you want to know the rest, head over to our lovely friends at Aussie Vision and go and check out the rest of that. But, of course, we're back in seven days' time with a brand new episode of the Eurotrip, the contest and me. In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review and rate us five stars. From me, James, it's goodbye. And from me, Rob, as Sakis himself might say, it's uh, Kalispera. Goodbye. Hold up. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.